This is the Engineering Career Coach Podcast, the only podcast dedicated to helping engineers succeed in work and life. The show is hosted by engineering enthusiast Anthony Fasano and Chris Knutson. Both are professional engineers who found success early in their careers and now work together to help other engineers do the same. Now it's showtime. Hello, this is Anthony Fasano, and this is the show for engineers and technical professionals who want to succeed in both work and life. In today's episode, I'm going to speak with Jane Sidebottom. Jane's the president and owner of Applied Marketing Knowledge, and she is a really successful consultant that has helped some big companies do some amazing things, and we are lucky to have her on this podcast. And we're going to get into this idea of the power in being passionate about something in your career. It's something that people talk about all the time, where we're going to try to put a framework to it in this episode. Before we get into the main segment of our show, I want to take a moment to recognize our sponsor for today's episode, PPI. What I want to tell you is to make sure that you listen up at the end of this podcast to hear my advice on a super practical way you can advance in your career. I also have an exclusive 20% discount available only to listeners of this podcast from PPI. So stay tuned for that. I also want to take a moment to tell you about our new engineering management accelerator workshop, which you can find at engineertomanager.com. For almost 10 years now, we've been trying to figure out how to help engineers become more effective engineering managers. And I believe we finally figured out how, and it comes down to three words, intensity, focus, and accountability. And if you enroll in our Engineering Management Accelerator workshop, you will experience all three. I'm going to tell you more about the program at the end of the show as we are enrolling engineers for our next session right now at engineertomanager.com. Now I'd like to introduce our guest for today's episode, just so you get a little bit of a feel for her background before we dive into the conversation. And her background is impressive and extensive. As I said, Jane Sidebottom is the president and owner of Applied Marketing Knowledge, a marketing and management consulting company that works primarily with companies in the U.S. and international commercial buildings market. Jane has a passion for helping companies of all sizes grow their businesses and expand their products and services offerings in this very competitive arena. Prior to starting at AMK in 2007, Jane built a career in international marketing and general management leadership positions for several companies, including Carrier Corporation, Train, and Sargent and Lundy Consulting Engineers. She began her career in Washington, D.C. as an international trade lobbyist working for the American Consulting Engineers Council and the International Engineering and Construction Industries Council. So she's very well versed in the engineering industry. She also has a BA in International Affairs from the University of Maryland and has completed graduate work in international law and business. She has completed the Leadership Development Program at the Center for Creative Leadership in Colorado Springs, as well as Carrier's Leadership Program developed by the Darden School, University of Virginia. She has traveled extensively, speaks Spanish, French, and Arabic, and has lived and worked in many countries around the world. In her free time, Jane enjoys CrossFit, golf, and sharing good food and wine with friends and family. She and her husband, David, live in Bonita Springs, Florida. So she is obviously experienced, and she's very bright, and she really dives into some interesting topics in this interview coming up. And what I'd like to do now to bring us into the interview is to give you a quote related to the topic. And the quote is from Donovan Bailey, follow your passion Be prepared to work hard and sacrifice, and above all, don't let anyone 
Limit Your Dreams. All right, now it's time for the main segment of our show, and I'm excited to welcome Jane Sidebottom. Jane's the president and owner of Applied Marketing Knowledge. Jane, welcome to the Engineering Career Coach Podcast. Thank you so much, Anthony. So I've spoken to Jane a few times now in leading up to our conversation here, and she's done a lot of work with some very, very big and successful companies, and she's worked with a lot of successful professionals. We talked about different topics, and one of the stories that she told me about believe it or not, a visit to a racetrack, Daytona Motor Speedway that was under construction, I believe at the time, is where Jane really realized this importance of being passionate about what you do and how having passion around what you do can really catapult how successful you are. And so I wanted to have Jane on to talk about that. So Jane, why don't you kind of set this up for us and take us back to that day? I have this friend who's in construction management and he works for the developer that the Bill France family who owns the Daytona Motor Speedway and a number of other speedways around the country. They had partnered with the France family to put together this development across from the Daytona Motor Speedway. The Daytona Motor Speedway has been recently completely, the track itself hasn't been redesigned, but all of the fan experiences around the track had been redesigned. And this friend of mine invited me to go and tour the track with him. And I had the opportunity of getting a a tour from the director or I think vice president of facilities. I thought we were going to spend maybe 20 or 30 minutes doing a quick lap around the track, but he ended up spending pretty close to three hours with me walking me through the entire facility. A remarkable experience, of course, as a marketing professional, as well as someone who has spent as much time as I have in the design and construction industry, how they have redesigned that facility to really ease the entrance and exit of the fans, as well as to maximize the fan experience inside of the track. So for example, Anthony, every seat in the track has a complete unobstructed view of the entire circuit, which compared to older tracks is not the case. You might be able to see corner one or corner four, but not the entire track. But really what resonated with me was the passion that the facilities team has for what they do there. And the fact that this gentleman spent as much time as he did with me was remarkable because he was a very busy guy. And he took me through the entire facility and explained all of the changes that they made. And I walked away thinking, there's a guy who loves what he does every single day. And it shows. So was he a client of yours or? No, he was a contact of a friend of mine. It was purely this friend of mine saying, hey, would you like to go over and take a look at what they're doing with the track? And because my friend was working with the France family on developing this new development across the street from the track, he had worked with this facility's vice president. It's amazing that they took the time to, number one, obviously it sounded like they considered a lot in designing that specific project as far as user friendliness. This person took the time to show you around, but it's just amazing how you can tell when you're with someone how passionate they are and how that translates to their success and what they're able to produce. And that's something that we wanted to get into today on this episode. We know that you listen to this podcast because you want to improve yourself. You're interested in professional development. And I think, and I'm a big believer, I talk about a lot, the 80-20 principle, meaning like you really got to understand what's driving most of your results and focus on that more. 
Jane and I agree, which is why we're talking about this, that when you're at your best, typically it's because you like something, you enjoy it, you're passionate about it. And what we want to do to frame that out a bit here is we're going to reference an article. This is an article that was in the Harvard Business Review. I believe it was uh, written by Robert Kaplan, was the name of the author. And there were seven questions in this article specifically that can help you to think about what you're passionate about, what you're strong at. And we're going to kind of run through them a little bit and we're going to talk through some of them for you so that you can use them as a guideline. All right. So Jane, the first question that we have here is when was a time when you were at your best? Let's talk about this one a little bit. Yeah. So you know what occurs to me, Anthony, you remember when we were all going through school, there were those one or two classes that we took that we looked forward to going to them that we really enjoyed the professor, that we did well in those classes as a result of it. And in my case, those were the classes that I, you know, that kind of balanced out the harder stuff or the required classes I just had to take in order to get my degree. I never skipped those classes. You know, I did well in them and I knew I was going to do well in them. You know, I go back to thinking about that as kind of the first point in my life that I remember thinking, I really enjoy this, or I'm really good at this. And therefore, it's not hard for me to want to go and do more and more of it. When I think about how this pertains to a career path, it's those things that we do day to day that we look forward to doing. We seek out those opportunities. We seek out those challenges because we feel like we bring the best that we have to offer, whether it's our knowledge or expertise to the table and we're recognized for that value that we bring. Does that make sense? Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And I think that is a great way to think about it is I would say that this first question is a very big picture question that you could ask yourself. When are the times that I was at my best in my career, let's say? And it doesn't have to be one time. It could be multiple times. But some of these other questions that we're going to follow up with now are going to help you drill down even further. But I mean, Jane's right on. I just, my daughter's 11 and she's just started school, of course. And she's telling me about, this is a new school for her, middle school. And she's already saying, like, I love this class. The teacher's great. And I want to do more of this. So this is the kind of homework she wants to do. So again, these are the situations. You might remember a project that you worked on that you absolutely loved. And if that's the case, then we're going to dive deeper into that project, per se, or into that time period of your career. So the second question that we have is essentially, what were you doing, right? So then you start to think through the specifics. And I would imagine that, like, for example, on the project that Jane was referring to at the racetrack, this gentleman she was talking about seems like he excelled. And if he was referencing that project as one of his times that he was at his best, he could think about what he was doing. Think about the design that went into it. One of the things that they were doing there is that they were connecting the people to the racetrack, to the sport. So maybe for that, that becomes something, right, Jane? You can write kind of brainstorm on what your best skills are that you're working on. So what struck me about that afternoon I took that I spent at the Motor Speedway was the stories that he told me were times when it would be during the race or they were trying to start the race. They're under a lot of pressure to deliver the fans the experience that they're looking for and something would happen. And where he would get particularly animated and excited would be when he told me the story about they couldn't start the race because part of the uh, backstretch, the asphalt was crumbling. It was not holding together. They had recently resurfaced it and something had happened in a particular spot. And so he came up with the idea, working with a couple of the race teams, to try using Bondo, which is typically used for repairing sheet metal on cars. 
in desperation because they didn't want to postpone the race, they decided to mix up some Bondo and pour it in the asphalt and repair the track. And so as he talked about, you know, the things that really kind of drove the excitement for the many years that he had been part of the facilities with the France family was those times when during the race, there was something that was a problem that could have prevented the fans from having the experience they were looking for, where he and his team were able to be able to provide, you know, an innovative or quick response that ultimately allowed the race to go forward. That's great. And that actually lends right into the next question, which is, what were the key elements of the environment? And in this situation, or some of the situations that Jane just described, these are fast-paced environments, they're under pressure, they have to get things done. And some people thrive under those situations, and maybe you do or maybe you don't. But the point of this question is, when you think about the times that you were at your best, you can think about the elements of the environment, and that can tell you a lot about yourself as a professional. So, Anthony, when you talk to people, you know, when you're coaching and mentoring people out in the marketplace, you know, do you find that sometimes they come to you and they tell you that they perhaps really like the work, but they're not really sure about the company, or perhaps they tell you that they struggle with some of the direction or the personalities? Is that some of what you hear when you're working with engineers? Oh, yeah, for sure. So those are all things that lend to the environment in which you're, you're doing your job. The question that I ask people when they come to me and they start talking about whether or not they're in the right place and doing the right work is, do you feel like you're in an environment that allows you to be successful? And what that means is, are you working with people that build you up? Do they support your expertise and what you bring to the table? Do you have a leadership structure that is supportive, not only your development, but also your success? And do they reward that success? Sometimes what can happen is you're really doing the work that you love, but you're just not in an environment that allows you to be successful. So to evaluate that environment and to make sure that you're in the right place so that you can do your best work can make all the difference in the world. That is something that I often talk to engineering professionals about when we look at their career and their goals. One of the things that you always have to consider is you could have all these ambitious goals, but are you in an environment where you can actually achieve those goals? Do you have the support from your company? Do you have access to the right knowledge and the right skill training that you're going to need to achieve those goals? So you have to think about that for sure. And again, go back to those times that you were successful. Maybe you worked at a company in the past and you were really successful there or you were really successful on a project and try to recreate the elements of that environment for yourself and see if they can be the same where you are now or if changes need to be made because that's going to get you back to that level. So that's something to think about. The next question, which is one of my favorite, is the fourth question of the seven. What was the nature of the impact you were making? And in this question, I love this question because I'm, I'm very interested in making sure that whatever I do makes an impact. And Jane, what I'd ask you to talk a little bit about here with regards to this question is your own career because you work a lot with large companies and you help them to do big things, make big decisions that really drives their companies. So I would imagine that this is a question for you that would be fun to answer because you make an impact. Yeah. So I one day woke up and started taking a look at my career path and, and where I was in my own career. And I'll be honest, and I wasn't really satisfied. I had risen very quickly through corporate organizations. I had a tremendous amount of responsibility but I really didn't feel like I was feeding my soul. 
And that success, that monetary success was great, but I was really kind of left feeling a little hollow by it. So this is a question that I really spent, you know, some considerable time myself thinking through, contributed to me leaving and starting my own business. And I asked myself, what really motivates me? You know, when I look at the success I've had in my career, and I looked back at those times when I could say that was a time that I felt really good about what I was doing. What was I doing? And what I realized, Anthony, was that I was helping other people be more successful. I was helping them to address a problem. I was helping them to figure out how to grow a certain part of the business. But I was helping other people be successful in their endeavors. We know from the leadership training that many of us go through that that's often one of the attributes that they look for in leaders, that as you rise up through the organization, that becomes something that becomes more of your responsibility than just getting the work done. But for me, what I found was I really wanted to go into situations where people were struggling, where they were trying to wrap their brain around how their company could be more successful and help those people think through that and then go and help and drive that success in the business. Because when I looked back on my own career, the nature of the work that I was doing when I felt the best that I felt the most passionate was exactly that, was helping my company go and figure out some tough challenges and drive that towards a business success. I feel the same way. And I can just give an example from my own career is that I've been doing more podcasting and content production between our engineering career TV and the podcast, because quite frankly, if I go and speak for an organization, I can impact 30 people, 40 people, maybe a little bit more in one time. But on the podcast, you know, we can get thirty to 50,000 downloads a month. So there's an ability to reach a lot more people. So I say that knowing that you as a professional most likely are doing engineering or some kind of technical work. So it's not exactly the same, but there are things that you can think about as far as your impact and what kind of impact are you making. Another example is I know some engineers that they're practicing engineers working on projects, but they also take the time through certain programs to go into schools and elementary schools and they talk about engineering, right? So they're making an impact. So I think asking yourself the question of what was the nature of the impact you were making when you were at your best and what do you want it to be? How much impact do you want to make? Because you should be thinking about that when you make decisions in your career, where you want to work, what kind of work you want to do, what projects do you want to work on? Are you making the impact that you want to make? And I'm not saying that you need to reach a lot of people because everyone's different. Some people have different ways to measure impact and different impacts that they want to make, but I just want you to be aware of it. That's why I think these questions are powerful because they can make you think about some of the things that we don't think about enough. Yeah. And if I could just chime in on one other aspect of this, you know, sometimes what can happen in a firm is that someone spots an individual's talent. You know, perhaps they've done some really outstanding things for the company and they think that person could really be a future leader for us. At that point, sometimes your career can get away from you. Your company takes over your career and can move you around inside of the company into places that you don't feel particularly comfortable or you don't feel like you're doing your best work. It doesn't seem as fun as what you were doing before, or it's more of a struggle or not as easy. In those situations, I really think that an individual has a couple of choices. The first one is to really make sure they understand why they're doing that work to begin with. There are going to be times in our careers where it's not going to be really fun, that we're not going to feel as passionate, but we're working towards a goal of perhaps preparing ourselves to be a future leader. And we have to go and do those things in order to be able to proceed down that path. The second is that if someone gets in that position and they really hate it, 
maybe they need to really ask themselves, do I really want to be doing this other kind of work? Or am I really most happy with where my expertise and the core of my expertise really lie? And, and do I need to go back to doing that? Because not everyone's cut out for doing some of the harder, difficult, less fun work. Some people are, are really cut out to be really strong, outstanding contributors in their company, in their field. Yeah, absolutely. And I have that conversation at times with engineers. Some engineers want to stay in the technical track and they don't necessarily want to go into leadership and they're comfortable with that and that's fine. But I talk to a lot of engineers that do want to go into leadership. And Jane makes a great point. A lot of times companies will do these programs where they'll say, you know, we've identified you as a, a premier professional or upper track or top tier. They'll use different kinds of names. So we want to enroll you in this program and we want to put you on this path. And that can be flattering and it makes people say, oh, great, this is great. I want to do this. Maybe I'll get a raise. Maybe I'll do this. But at the end of the day, you want to make sure that it still allows you to do what you want to do and what you're passionate about. Because if you're just doing something because they've identified you as this certain kind of professional, it doesn't mean that you're going to be engaged with it. So it's a hard thing to stop and think about, but I think it's important. And that's why we're giving you some of these questions. So the next question on the list here, number five is, did you have a boss or were you self-directed? And I like this one as well, because some people need a boss. Some people can do more things on their own. But if you look at the times that you were thriving and you look at your surroundings again, your environment, the people you worked with, if you had a boss, Again, you can duplicate those. And I know, Jane, for you, obviously, having your own company, I'm sure that being self-directed, you were someone that could do that. Yes, absolutely. And I've been through some pretty intensive leadership development training. And part of what comes with that is a thorough understanding of my personality profile and how I'm wired. And so I'm one of those people that always was more self-directed than looking to follow the direction of others. And I'll be honest, sometimes in my career, it got me in a little trouble. But I'll tell you, Anthony, this kind of, I'm recalling a conversation I had last week with a client about someone that they had hired into their organization where on paper, you know, the person looked very suitable for this leadership role that they were taking. And as they were watching this person kind of settle into the position and take on the role, they weren't really quite happy with the leadership he was showing. And we had this discussion about had they um, thought about doing some evaluation of the person to make sure that they really had that ability to go and be self-driven, which is what they were looking for in this individual versus someone who's just a very good executioner of someone else's leadership or direction. To know this about yourself means that you will have a better understanding as you move through your career of what opportunities really fit and will minimize the chances of you being put into a role that doesn't fit your personality style, where the expectations are different than what you can deliver. And I know with me, you know, I kind of always knew it about myself, but to really understand that I wasn't very good about with being just a, an individual contributor on a team, I was really looking for those opportunities where I could lead, really helped me to best choose the path that was going to make me happy, and more importantly, continue to feed my passion for what I did. Jane, when you say that, I think it's great for people to understand their personality profile per se and understand what makes them tick and what situations that they know they're going to be able to do well in or that they might struggle with, because that can tell you a ton about yourself. But how about as a leader, like the leader having that information about his or her team. Do you think that that's something that as a leader you should be aware of? Yes. And I'm going to give a caveat here, Anthony. I am not a huge fan of 
all these different kinds of assessment tools that are out there, I think, and one has to be very careful with how much you do this. But I do think that as a leader, it's really critical that you understand the personalities of the people on your team, their work behaviors, what motivates them personally, where their passions lay, what do they really love doing. And if using one or two of these instruments or these tools that are out there can help you do that, then by all means, go and do it. But it will help the leader understand if you've got the right mix of people and the right perspectives to really drive the business outcome you're looking for with your company. Just taking that a little bit further, if you are a leader of a team of however many people, you could use an assessment, like you said, to get some information. But is it also just a function of getting to know the people? Oh, yeah. Just spend some time with the people that work for you. Get them to open up and talk about how they spend their free time. When I go in and I'm facilitating a a strategic planning session for a company or a business planning session, I usually give a good, I would say, hour to getting to know the people in the room because I may not know them personally. But what they will reveal about how they spend their time, what their personal interests are, and what they particularly enjoy about their company and their role really helps me learn and get a a preview of how they're going to behave in that meeting and how they're going to be able to contribute. And I think a team leader can do that just by spending some really good quality time with the people on their team and getting to know them. All right. The sixth question is, what did you love about it? I mean, this sounds obvious, but I mean, when you look back at some of the times that you really excel, you can think about what was it that made you really happy or what was it that, why are you remembering it? What was it that you love so much? And like, even for me, like I do love the speaking and the coaching and the training because what I love about it is being able to help people move forward because I think that everybody has abilities that they can utilize to achieve their goals, but sometimes they need to do different things to access those abilities. And so that's kind of what drives me about it. But I would think that this is something, Jane, that if you can think about this for yourself and identify some of these things, it can really like have a huge impact on your uh, fulfillment in your career. I think so. I think in this case, this is one of those things that you look at not just where you're working and who you're working for, but also the type of work that you're doing. If you're in a sales type of role, you know, the question that you ask yourself is, what do I love about being in the sales role? Do I love the relationship building? Do I love closing the deal? Do I love the bonus check that I might be getting as a result of it? If you're in a project management role, do you love sorting through and figuring out the project flow and getting all of the components pulled together to meet the timeline and deliverables and delight the client? Or is it that you relish the client coming to you and saying, this is the best project I've ever seen? If you're in a management role, is it that you love seeing you know, a team come together and deliver the client's project as well as achieve the business results? Or is it that you love to develop people and you love to see the people that you've developed succeed? And if you're in a contributing engineering role, is it that you love sorting through the project or the challenge that's been put in front of you and being able to deliver a technical result? Or do you love presenting that technical result to the client and seeing the light come on in their eyes that shows that they really connect with what you're proposing? These are some of the things that I think when you're really exploring the elements of what really drives that passion that you should be thinking about. 
And the last question is kind of along the same lines and, and ties into some of what you just said as well, which is what were the factors that made it enjoyable and helped you shine? When I think of this question, like for myself, if I'm thinking about a project that I worked on, a lot of times some of the factors would be, I like projects that are kind of fast paced. I like working with people. I like, again, having that impact. So those are some things that I think I can pull out. And you want to think about that. Like, what are some of the factors that were involved? I talk to engineers all the time. I like working on a big project that maybe serves a lot of people. Like maybe you happen to work on a bridge or a big skyscraper or something. So just think about the factors around the enjoyable aspects of what you do, because that's what's driving it, right? There's all these different aspects or inputs that are going into these projects. And if you can start to identify some of the ones that are making you happy and provide enjoyment, then again, you can try to duplicate them. And I think that that's like an overall lesson in life really is it's just learning. It's learning from what you've done and trying to figure out how you can either apply the same things or make adjustments. I think that the factors that make your job or your career or the place in your career where you want to be enjoyable are very closely tied to the environment analysis that we talked about earlier. Those two things are really go hand in hand. I think what happens sometimes, Anthony, is that people know they don't stop and think really about what kind of recognition or what kind of validation that they're looking for in order to validate, basically, that they're doing really good work. Someone in a sales role, this might be, hey, I got a, a big new account or I got a, a bigger bonus check or I got a pay increase because maybe what they're looking for is monetary validation. For others that might be in a, a straight engineering role or a technical role, it could be the validation that they get from their peer group, maybe recognized by their association or their company for being very strong technically and being able to do innovative design or innovative solution work to really evaluate not just what was enjoyable, but where you got that validation from, what that validation looked like, and then to go back and ask yourself, am I in the right environment that allows me to do that work and get that validation, really is going to help someone to determine if they're really doing what's passionate and really puts them in a position to be able to do that, that work well. And that's a good place for us to wrap up this segment here, because we're going to come back in a minute in the Take Action Today segment and try to give you kind of one thing that you can do to get on the track to working within your passion. But before we do that, let me just quickly run through these questions again so they're fresh in your mind, and we will put them in the show notes. But basically, there were seven questions. When was a time when you were at your best? What were you doing? What were the key elements in the environment? What was the nature of the impact you were making? Did you have a boss or were you self-directed? What did you love about it? What were the factors that made it enjoyable and helped you to shine? We'll be back in just a minute. Now it's time for our Take Action Today segment of the show. And today we're going to wrap up this episode by talking with Jane Sidebottom a little bit more. And we're going to talk about taking stock of your career, essentially. Like we just gave you all this framework and all these questions. Well, let's talk about the importance of an overall view. And that's exactly what we're going to do to help you move forward. But before we do that, I do want to take a moment to recognize our sponsor for today's episode, PPI. And I'm going to do so by telling you this. One of the biggest pieces of advice I can provide to engineers is to get your professional license as early as possible. It's a practical way to advance your career, earn more money, and set yourself apart. 
To learn more about the exams, including invaluable exam tips, check out PPI's Resource Center for the FE and PE exams. It's a one-stop hub for all the information you need to register, prepare for, and ultimately pass your exam. Visit ppitopass.com forward slash resources to learn more. Again, that's PPI, the number two, pass.com forward slash resources. And if you need exam prep materials, use promo code TECH on PPI's website for an exclusive 20% discount. Again, that's promo code T-E-C-C, TECH. And once again, we're here with Jane Sidebottom, and we've spent this episode talking about how to identify your passion by looking at the times in your career when you were at your best. We gave you a framework for doing that. But what we want to do here as we wrap up this episode to try to give you some big picture ideas, I want Jane to maybe talk a little bit about just in general, Jane, at any point in someone's career, if they're looking to take stock or they're looking to see where they're at, where they're headed, if they're on the right track. Maybe you could talk about that a little bit. I think really at any point, someone could stop and say, am I on the right path, Anthony? If you're at the early stage of your career, maybe you're three to five years out of college, maybe a little bit longer. Perhaps you're sitting there thinking, I want to really make sure that I design a career path for myself that really leverages and I'm deliberate about following my passion. You know, one can go through and look at some of these questions, document the answers, and then go and find a mentor or an advisor inside of your company or even within your general industry category to sit down with them and talk about what your goals are for your career and how you leverage those passions. I'll tell you that as someone who has done this with others that are early on in their career, the more information that you can take them, the more clarity around what you think you're good at and what you'd like to do with your career, the better. It has helped me when I've advised others to help them think through, okay, here's how you should think about developing your career moving forward. If you're in the middle part of your career, Perhaps you're feeling a little lost. Perhaps you're feeling like, I'm not sure I remember the last time I felt really passionate about what I'm, I was doing. This is a great opportunity to either, you know, on an early Saturday morning with a cup of coffee and a blank piece of paper, maybe go through these questions and answer some of them as we've discussed during this podcast, and then take that information and go to a trusted colleague or an advisor and sit down and say, here's what my dilemma is. How do I find my way back to that point? What could my career path or what could my roadmap look like to get back to the point where I felt like I was doing my best work? Now, if you're midpoint in your career, maybe you're not really feeling stuck. Maybe you're just trying to figure out how to leverage what you think you do really well into the next uh, stage of your career. Do the very same thing. Sit down with that cup of coffee or that glass of wine, go through some of these questions, and then go seek out an advisor or counselor that can help you think through those next steps in developing or leveraging that passion into the next phase of your career. As we're learning in this economy, there is no latter stage to your career because people are working for a lot longer. But perhaps you're, you're kind of in that latter uh, stage of your career and you're thinking about how you can perhaps go back to that point in time where you felt really good about what you're doing. Perhaps you have a particularly strong skill set or knowledge in that area. And you just want to share it with your company or to younger people coming up through the organization or even within your industry category. 
So to sit down and really document what that is can enable you to go and position yourself to be that that expert in your company or your arena and to share that knowledge and to feed your own passion at the same time. That's excellent. And I mean, the bottom line here is that what we're talking about today is it's your career, it's your progress, and are you measuring it? Are you putting yourself in positions to succeed? And I think what happens with a lot of engineering professionals is that you get so wrapped up in your projects, which I understand because it's your job, but you forget about the big picture of your own career. I like that quote, that saying that if you're too busy to fill up the car with gas, eventually you're going to run out. So if you keep going and going project, next project, next project, but you don't assess your own development and where you're headed, you're going to look up one day and say, man, I really want to be a leader in the firm. I really want to be an owner. I don't know what happened. I don't know where everything went. So that's why I really wanted to talk to Jane about these topics because I know that she's very good with strategy and big picture thinking. And that's something that shouldn't just be applied to companies. It needs to be applied to your own career. And I think that we've now given you some framework here in this episode, thanks to Jane, that can help you do that. So we will link also to Jane's LinkedIn profile. You can read a little bit more about her. But Jane, thanks so much for taking the time and spending it here with us and sharing some of these insights. We really appreciate it. Anthony, thank you. I mean, this is clearly one of those things that I'm passionate about, and I have really enjoyed our conversation today. Before we sign off, remember earlier in the show, I mentioned how we've created a new program called the Engineering Management Accelerator Workshop, which combines intensity, focus, and accountability. Well, it's intense because it's a five-week online program, mostly done outside of working hours. You'll focus because you'll be put on a team with other engineers, you'll be given an engineering management problem, and then we'll give you five one-hour skill-building calls on skills like communication, networking, productivity, leadership, and also five open coaching calls. And we'll put you in a private forum with your team and a coach, and you'll sprint, and you'll find a solution. Then, for accountability, you'll present your solution at the end of the program to our coaches and also to your company once you are finished. This is not only accountability, but it's a huge opportunity because the problems that we give you may generate real solutions for your company while helping you become an effective engineering manager and improving your speaking skills. I have met way too many engineers that haven't been able to make that engineer to manager leap, and this program is built to change that. So please visit engineertomanager.com to enroll for our next session. Spots are limited and we sold out our last session in just a few days. Also on the website, you will see a tab for company reimbursement where you can download a one-page PDF and some text that you can send with it to your boss in an email and you will probably get reimbursed. 90% of our students have. Again, that is www.engineertomanager.com. Com. Questions? Contact Anthony at engineeringcareercoach.com. So I hope you enjoyed the episode today with Jane Sidebottom. We would love to hear your feedback, comments, and or questions. Go to engineeringcareercoach.com forward slash be passionate, all lowercase, where you will find a summary of the key points discussed in today's episode, as well as links to any of the resources, websites, or books mentioned during this episode. You can leave a question in the comments section or visit the Ask Us tab on our website. We monitor all comments and will respond if you leave us one. Until next time, please continue to engineer your own success. 
Thank you for listening to the Engineering Career Coach Podcast. Be sure to visit engineeringcareercoach.com where you can find all past episodes and also download a free three-part video series created specifically for engineers to help you best utilize LinkedIn for networking, improve your communication and speaking skills, and also to help develop your leadership abilities. Now is the time to engineer your own success.